good day, happy new year. This is the new season of Under Construction with Jennifer Packard. That's me, your host. The intended goal of Under Construction is to focus on reminding people of the common ground we have in our daily experiences by sharing the nuts and bolts involved in one's job, basically like a small spotlight, and see where it takes us even after the interview is finished. We have much in common, even in our differences. Today we will learn a little about the human experience in the world of entrepreneurship, hospitality, and tourism. Michelle Burrell's career history of over 35 years has focused on management within the tourism, hospitality, entertainment, sales, marketing, customer service, and public relation industries nationally and internationally. Michelle worked nine years overseas as Director of Marketing and Tourism in the Channel Islands. She has been the Overseas Operational Manager at a London-based entertainment company and the Sales Promotion Manager for Carnival Cruise Lines in Europe. She was the Director in Leading, the U.S. Speakers Bureau at FIDM, otherwise known as the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in Los Angeles for the last 17 plus years. In early 2023, she stepped off the safe employment path to pursue a dream of over 40 years and purchased a property in Italy with plans to live there permanently. The goal is to convert with much renovation an 1845 historic palace into an events venue for retreats, reunions, weddings, and a magnificent B&B, and to host guests from around the world. It's a slow but exciting process, and it puts taking one step at a time to the test. She loves the Italian culture, and she is embracing all of its beauty and quirks, and although a bit frightening at times, the adventure is exhilarating. She considers herself most fortunate to have worked, managed, and shared life with people from all walks of life and from a variety of countries around the world. Please welcome Michelle Burles. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Woo, fantastic. Let's jump right in. Okay. <laughs> what does entrepreneurship, hospitality, and tourism mean to you? Can you explain it to our listeners? Sure. To me, it's such a variety that takes place. Entrepreneurship, I think, first of all, is having a an idea, something that sparks my own interest that I believe might benefit others, and then really taking that with a slew of information in terms of research and creatively and passionately developing it. So kind of finding the why would it benefit others? How would it benefit others? And how can I make it really unique? From a hospitality perspective, I look at everything we do as building a story. So when I go to an event, whether it's in a wedding, a birthday party, a baby shower, a retreat, something like that, any kind of event, I want to experience something that I wouldn't normally experience, let's just say, at home. And something that tells a story that's memorable and that you can then share with others. And in terms of tourism, I think one of the most beautiful things in the world is the differences in people and the way they live their life, 
the cultures, the food, the art, the pace of life, uh, the clothing, everything that they have surrounding them. So in my world, tourism is just such an exciting learning experience and it takes us off of our own doorsteps. And although we want conveniences, we also want that experience that others in the world have to offer. So that's my kind of culmination of entrepreneurship, hospitality, and tourism wrapped in one. I like how it's other, it's other focused. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what interested you or how did this dream of yours start? Well, I think first of all, the years of tourism, not only working in it, but just being an avid traveler. I always found so much joy in that, but every place I visited, every place I stayed, uh, every event or experience I might have done, I always used to think about how I might do it differently. Not necessarily better, just differently, and how I might put a spin on it. So. I suppose that's been the 35, 40 years of the dream. But then uh, during COVID, I was exercising on YouTube and a commercial came along. And on that was this organization that was overseas that sold properties and helped English speaking people purchase those properties in Italy, Sicily and England. And these are Italian women that started this. I wrote down the address, so this would have been, you know, March 2020, April 2020, and just put it aside. And then earlier this year, I took a trip that I just couldn't say no to, to Italy for a week. I contacted this company, and off I went, and I looked at 16 different properties. So I never really thought I was going to buy this year. My plan was maybe four, five, six years, maybe more settled into retirement, mm. but I saw something that just spoke to me that I had to say yes to, and that's where it started. So don't give up. You can still work on the dream. <laughs> Absolutely. How much training do you think, uh, would you say is required for doing what you're doing? <laughs> well, I definitely learn something new every day. Uh, my friend, another Michelle, who's doing this with me has extremely different skills than I do. And it makes a great partnership. She's excellent at contractual agreements and negotiations and the financing mm. part and all of that, which I really do not have a lot of background in, although okay. I'm learning, as I said, daily. Right. But in terms of sort of my end of training, I would say mainly, um, I've spent a lot of years doing a lot of the travel logistics, how to get from one place to another and what people like and don't like. I've taken a lot of uh, notes and insight into what would be beneficial, what would be difficult. I've learned a lot of the uh, marketing side of it through the multifaceted projects I've worked on, the multifaceted marketing teams those people I work with all over the world uh, because I've lived in Europe, the UK, Mexico, Caribbean, Los Angeles, and New York. So I've tried to <laughs> take all of those experiences and that marketing, sales, etc. know-how to try and figure out what's going to be best for our business now that I have maybe some control mm -hmm. over what we do and don't do. 
Okay. So, I mean, obviously a lot of studying and research, uh, connections with people who know, you know, fill in the gaps. Yes. Do you think being open-minded helps a lot? Absolutely. Open-minded. And I think trying to understand that, you know, our way, the American way in Mm. particular, is not necessarily the only way or even the right way. There isn't a right way and a wrong way. And to be open-minded to the possibilities and the opportunity that are out there, and it's all back to, you know, know your audience. Mm. Um, I grew up as an entertainer, (laughs) and so it's it's know your audience um, and perform or present or communicate to whoever's in your audience on that particular day or that moment in time. Mm. Being willing to adapt would seem important. (laughs) Yes. Mm. Very flexible, patient, and adaptable. (laughs) Patience, yes. (laughs) Mm. So far, what's been the most challenging aspect of working on your dream? I think originally it was probably taking that leap of faith Mm. and actually doing it. Um, you know, as I said, I wasn't really ready to, let's put in quotes, retire from what I was doing here in the U.S. I have two daughters, both in college. I had a very great job, um, you know, an environment that I loved, a routine I was heavily involved in, you know, friends, et cetera, et cetera. But when the opportunity arose, as I said before, I felt like there was really some sort of a calling, you know, everything was sort of fitting in place and maybe there was a reason it was supposed to happen three, four, five years earlier Mm. than what my head had planned for so many years. So I think the first challenge was taking that leap of faith and leaving everything behind Mm. that was so comfortable and secure and, and known. And now I would say is really embracing the way the Italians live, the way they operate, the way they do business, and understanding that that's the way I have to be. I have to be an insider. Mm. And I still have all my ideas and do everything I want to do, but it's just going to take some time. And it's going to take maybe a little bit longer than we originally had planned. Right. So. There's a lot of challenges and you have to yes. be patient. <laughs> Slightly different, but related to your dream. What are three things you wish or would like others to know about either your particular dream or how to pursue a dream? <laughs> okay. Well, I think if you are going to live somewhere else in a different country and you're going to certainly operate there I mean, even just living there, but but not only that, now having a business is really the language proficiency. Mm. And the first question everyone asks me is, do I speak Italian? And the answer is no. (laughs) I'm learning it. I speak French and I speak English. Mm. I know a little bit of Spanish here and there and a little bit of German, you know, as far as ordering out in restaurants and things like that. (laughs) But although I came from an Italian family on my mom's side, my mom didn't speak Italian. So I would say the language proficiency from the standpoint to really integrate yourself and work with the locals and get them, you know, 
on your side and in your pocket <laughs> and really working together with you so you can share some of that business and you can share those experiences with them. But I would also say knowing enough of the other languages that depending on whom your guests are, you can say a few words to them and get by or at least be welcoming and warm, you know, in right. their language. And I never thought I would really say this, but I see it more so now than anything. I think it's going to be an advantage to be an English speaking person. Yeah. Because when I look at the type of clientele that we might entertain, it's more than likely not going to be local Italians. It's more than likely going to be Americans or British or Scandinavian or Dutch or perhaps German or Chinese or Thai. And more times than not, their second language is probably going to be English before it's going to be Italian. That's so that's kind of something interesting I've just realized. Mm -hmm. um, I would think the second thing is having a passion and a love and a joy for travel and for other people mm. and those cultures. And like you said, being open-minded to them and embracing them and learning all their little quirky things <laughs> that, you know, we find quirky, but are completely normal to them. True. And, and, <laughs> you know, weaving your way through that, but also that knowledge, my work history has really elevated that mm. in terms of, I, I think it's going to be very helpful in terms of the marketing and at the end of the day, the hosting mm. of the business itself. And, and thirdly, I would say all the sales and marketing experience. Um, I think you have to try to understand like we said, not only who your audience is, but where are you at your life and who would you be marketing to? So we have a pretty clear picture now of the type of clientele mm -hmm. that we might be marketing to. And then where do they get their information from? Right. Um, I am not a social media person, so I am going to have to learn a lot about various parts of the social media and the blogging and the vlogging and all those things. I'm a more traditional marketing, networking individual. So I think that helps with the training, but also I know how to do it and I'm capable of doing it. I just have to now take what I know how to do to take that next step to research what's really new and modern now that's reaching yeah, the whole social marketing, social media marketing that I have studied, but I have never fully grasped it at all. Right. <laughs> and I'm still going to have to try to work on it <laughs> for myself. <laughs> I am with you. What does an average day at work look like for you so far? So far. Okay. Well, I think to start with, it started with getting all the ducks lined up, for example, from being integrated in a new countries. So things like setting up the utilities yeah. and getting the bank accounts and getting integrated into the village and then starting with the consultancy firm to kind of, you know, chicken scratch or draw an idea of what we wanted the current building to actually look like when it was done and being able to see whether or not that would even be possible. This is a historic building, and so only certain things can be built onto it or into it or knocked down, etc. Mm -hmm. 
So dealing with the local, what they call there, the commune, to find out, is this even possible? And mm. if we can't do that, can we do something different? So, for example, if we can't knock down a wall, can we put an arch in it to open <laughs> it up? So mm. I didn't have any of that experience. So that was sort of day-to-day um, kind of wannabe architect, but working together with the consultancy firm. And then it was looking at um, the sourcing of materials. We're kind of in that part of things right now where bids are going out to contractors, but we would be in the process of looking at what tile, what paint, what fabrics, uh, you know, what mm. window coverings, things like that. So the building takes place to fit the sourcing. And that's kind of the fun part. I'm better at that than I am at some of the other, you know, structural part, I would say. Right. But then it's also where to go to source the materials mm -hmm. so you can save a dime. There's a lot of vintage places, and this is an 1845 palace. So the idea behind it is to try and, you know, embrace and recreate that palace experience but with some modern conveniences. Right. Uh, and also, its name is Palace of Angels or Palazzo degli Angeli. So we're looking at themes of how we can incorporate that angel theme. So in addition to sort of that day-to-day -day structural building part of it, I'm looking at how we might be a little bit more purpose-driven you know, driven, or how we might incorporate something to do with the angels or maybe grief for people from the past the guests that come you know how we might be able to bring together maybe that kind of theme and then how we would market that i'm also doing a lot of research day to day of where to market on what travel sites and wedding sites and retreats um you know italian american organizations for family reunions Things like that. Yeah. So it's it's a variety, and that's what keeps my brain going. <laughs> um, and, you know, especially through what becomes the winter there is pretty dark. Uh, but it gives me a lot of things to do and a lot of balls, I would say, to juggle at one time. Right. That is a lot to think about. And it's good to know what your strong suits are and maybe your limitations are. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. Now, with all the people that you have to deal with as far as contracts and maybe even the legalese of our government, their government, uh, we run into difficult people. So I've been asking everyone, uh, how do they deal? How do you deal with uh, difficult people? It goes back to that. The customer's always right, <laughs> um, <laughs> even when you might think they're not. But it's really just trying to figure out where they're coming from in their difficult stance mm -hmm. at that time. Maybe there's a frustration on their part. Maybe there's a misunderstanding and it's trying to ask questions around that to try to get to the core of how I might be able to be a little bit more understanding perhaps or right. do something that they're asking that I may not understand why. Um, I also have to come down to the fact that, you know, I may not always be the priority right. and what I want <laughs> that's urgent in my hand, you know, head may not be at the top of their list. Right. 
I have to understand that they're doing it in the way they were taught to do it. And it might be very different than the way I might do something. So I try to take that breath, step back <laughs> a bit. Um, I suppose smile and kick myself in the shin and then just, you know, take the next step to try and solve whatever that conflict might be. Right. And make it easier for them as well. Cause part of dealing with people is trying to find that common ground. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. That's true. Uh, a little bit change of pace. What are a few things you would like others to know about you, say your hobbies or interests? I love, I love learning languages and I love learning about people and kind of why they live the way they live or the habits that they have or the traditions that they have. So usually when I tackle some sort of a language, even if it's something like on a Babel or a Rosetta Stone, you know, something a little bit more playful and fun. And I'm just going to learn it because right. I might be going somewhere for a week. <laughs> I try to look at the back end of it too. And the back story of, you know, the cuisine that they have yeah. and the traditions that they have. I love to cook when I have the time. So if I can take a, a, a new cuisine, um, and try to entertain with it. That's definitely a hobby of mine. I, like you, love to crochet mm-hmm. and knit and do a lot of handy work. And again, if I can incorporate something that might be artistic from wherever it is I'm visiting at the time, mm-hmm. um, that yeah. always kind of creates a story as well. <laughs> so it's just something different. Yeah. But I'm always open. I was never very good at like the art history and things, but I'm really starting to learn a lot more about that and find that more interesting. Maybe now as I get older and I'm willing to read up on it a bit more (laughs) than I did when I was younger. (laughs) Well, it probably comes into play too, art history with the palace that you're trying to renovate, but yet maintain a sense of history as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle, for taking the time to chat with me. And hopefully, maybe, you know, we'll get some interest and we'll, we'll do this again. Uh, do you have a website? We do. There's nothing actually on it right now. There's no content or photos yet. But the idea will be sometime in the new year to start to kind of, you know, drip feed, drip market, Um, kind of some of the renovation, the ideas we're throwing around. We would love people to communicate with us and share their thoughts if they've got ideas, especially in terms of the angels Mm -hmm. and the purpose Mm -hmm. and all of that. And and we'd love to hear from people. Um, But right now we have registered the domain palaceofangelsitaly.com. So in English, palaceofangelsitaly.com. And I would just say, Watch for it sometime as we start to break through some walls in the new year. Mm -hmm. And then get somebody to help you with Instagram. Somebody younger. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Maybe my daughter. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got family. You can do it. (laughs) Please, please, please. Okay. Once again, thank you, Michelle, for your time and for sharing uh, part of your uh, adventures uh, pursuing your dream. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. And all of you out there, please pursue your dreams as well. It's never too late. 
Afterthoughts. Michelle is quite accomplished. She is doing what many have talked about, but don't always do for any number of reasons. What dreams are we putting on hold? All of our life experiences can point to a purpose. Can we tune into that? Sometimes we have to rediscover our dreams. What do we need to make it happen? Remember that worthwhile dreams or goals take time and often sacrifice. Be patient. Be kind to yourself and remember, we're all under construction. Music provided by Alexander Nakarada and Rafael Crux.